<laughs> oh, turn it up. Here we go. Up here with your crew, winning all some view. Everything you love stacked right in front of you. Got your icon pass, powder slash it. 50 plus destinations. Speaking of, did you get your icon pass yet, Sean? I'm on iconpass.com dropping in right now. Wow. From just $2.59 adult, everyone knows you get the best price in the spring. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Okay, done. So pass the good stuff. Yeah, it's the good stuff. So the Apostle Paul in a reminder that ministry can never be done alone, enlisted the help of a man by the name of Timothy as a travel companion. And the two of them set off on a missionary journey. During this missionary journey, Paul received a vision in the middle of the night. This is a vision, not a dream. I went back and forth on this all week, vision and dream, dream and vision, because the Bible is full of visions and dreams. At first, I thought about substituting the word dream for vision, thinking that might make our task this morning a bit easier in understanding what Paul experienced. But the more that I thought about it, I came to the conclusion that I cannot use the word dream because dream underplays what happens to Paul. You see, a few nights ago, I had a dream. And in this dream, I was playing third base for the Baltimore Orioles. It was a playoff winning game. I made the final out, and we were headed to the World Series. And I know that that was a dream and not a vision from the Lord because the Baltimore Orioles would first need a winning season before heading to the World Series. I would need to be between 10 and 20 years younger, and perhaps, just perhaps, at an even higher peak of physical fitness than I already am. You will remember from last Sunday that after, that, uh, that visions from God alter the course of a person's life, the person on the receiving end of the vision often taking our well-laid plans that we meticulously curate for ourselves and then making them entirely obsolete. The Apostle Paul was no stranger to encounters from God. If you remember a few more weeks back, you will also recall that Paul had a life-altering encounter with Jesus on the side of a road near a town called Damascus as he Paul was preparing to go into Damascus and arrest followers of Jesus. So in our reading today, Paul receives a vision. And in this vision, there is a man from Macedonia pleading with me, pleading with him. The man says to Paul, come to Macedonia and help us. Having already experienced one life-altering encounter with the divine, Paul sets off for Macedonia as the next stop on his good news preaching tour. Paul and his companions arrive in Philippi. This is a city described as the main part of Macedonia. Paul and his companions, companions are no longer in the backwoods. They are downtown. They are not going to convert just a handful of people. The city of Philippi was also a Roman colony. The author of the book of Acts, St. Luke, 
Luke of the Gospel of Luke, reminds us that Paul has left the friendly confines of Jewish territory and is now spreading the gospel among the, among the Gentiles. The Gentiles during this time, and well, now today, are people who are outside of the original Abrahamic covenant that was and is continue, continues today to be held by Israel. But during this time, Jews and Gentiles did not mix. To keep the baseball analogy going, think Yankees and Red Sox fans. Paul goes outside the city gates on the Sabbath. And in Luke telling us this, we find out that Paul is going outside of the establishment. Paul's going there to pray and to worship. He finds himself next to a river. And there is where he finds not a man from Macedonia, but a group of women. One of the women, Lydia, is identified as having her heart opened by the Lord. And Lydia eagerly listened to what Paul said. Lydia listened so eagerly that she and her entire household were converted, meaning they were moved to faith and then baptized by Paul. Paul then remains in Philippi, in Lydia's home, at her invitation. Now you might be scratching your head thinking that this story sounds familiar. That's because it is. It would not be unreasonable right now for you to think that you're experiencing deja vu if you were in worship last Sunday or you watched on the live stream. The Bible is, after all, really the same old song week after week after week. Our scripture reading this morning is a nearly identical story to the conversion of a Roman officer named Cornelius by the Lord. And when we hear the Lord in the book of Acts, we're talking about Jesus. Jesus has once again sent his followers to the places and people where they should not be going. Lydia, along with her entire prayer group, being prompted by Jesus to open their hearts to the preaching of Paul, further illustrates how God is in the business of breaking down the barriers that we continue to insist on building. What's more, last week, Peter got in trouble for sharing a meal with Cornelius in the same way that many first and second century readers of our scripture reading today would have questioned whether or not Paul should have even been where he was. Because in both instances, the apostles were invited, persuaded by our risen Lord, to receive hospitality extended to them by the wrong people. It's not just that the Lord, it's not just the Lord opening Lydia's heart that makes this story important for the church today. Lydia's conversion began with her and Paul's hearts being opened by the Lord. Again, the Lord being Jesus. Paul knew too well that faith is not something that we can produce on our own. Remember, Paul had been blinded along the Damascus road by Jesus and then thrusted by Jesus into the care of the people Paul had intended to do harm. 
To the church in Ephesus, Paul wrote, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God, not the result of our works. So according to the Apostle Paul, there is no such thing as a self-made Christian. A heart opened to the works of God along with our conversion of faith. Those are acts that are initiated by God. This is why when the church speaks of repentance, repentance is the churchy way of saying turning away from sin and toward God. Not that this side of the room is more sinful than that side of the room. But that's why when we speak of repentance, we remember that first we have been repented. That is that the inward working of the Holy Spirit, the living presence of Christ's Christ in our life enables us to turn away from sin and toward God. And Jesus' ministry testifies to this. Jesus called all of his disciples. They didn't seek him out. People would not begin to follow Jesus on their own until after his ministry began to spread. In the situations and places where hope in the presence of God seemed to be surely gone. A possessed man in the gospel of Mark who had been chained by his neighbors and then chained to the rocks among the tombs. Or in the gospel of John at the side of Lazarus's tomb. Jesus, the Lord, initiates what is needed for us to be open to the good news of new life. New life that is only found in him. New life that calls us beyond the city gates, moving us away from the safety of our own comfort and into the care, into the lives of the people that we least expect. New life that opens our hearts and minds to receive the good news of the gospel. And in doing so, we hear once again the good news, not just of our own salvation but of the salvation of all of creation, all of creation being made new. New life that breaks through the barriers that we insist on building and maintaining, the barriers of race, gender, identity, and so many more. Remember, Lydia was a dealer in purple cloth. That's the biblical way of telling us that she was a rich woman. While just a few weeks ago, Tabitha, or Dorcas, was caring for the poor and the forgotten, rich and poor. There's no one outside the reach of God's movement. God's grace is more wide-reaching than any of us will ever be able to imagine. So often, in the church, we forget that faith does not begin with many of the markers we prescribe showing up week after week on Sunday for worship or Sunday school, giving to the church, or joining a committee. Now, these actions can be markers of a response to a person's faith, like the hospitality shown by Lydia to Paul. The beginning steps of a faithful witness to the gospel come when Christ our Lord opens our hearts maybe just long enough for us to catch a glimpse of what the Holy Spirit and he are doing, even while we might be asleep. Amen.